And we'll continue our journey through James. Last week we considered verses 7 and 8 in James chapter 5, where we saw that we are exhorted to look and wait for the second coming of Christ. And there's the word therefore in verse 7. Brother uh, Zane wrote me, and I haven't wrote him back yet, but I'm going to give him the answer right, right now through the, through the uh, study here. He was asking about the word therefore in verse 7. And well, therefore, connects us to the preceding verses, of course. So what James is going to say following that has to do with those who are suffering persecution at the hands of those who are mentioned in verses 1 to 6. So we will see how the believer is supposed to react today to being defrauded, going through sufferings and afflictions. Actually, I named the message Suffering, Afflictions, and Patience. Suffering, Affliction, and Patience. And there's those who are suffering persecution for their faith. There's those who are suffering through various afflictions of health. Uh, There's those who are actually suffering afflictions for their faith as well, too. As believers, we go through different things in our lives. After the Lord saves us, we all are afflicted with things. And we know that those things come. Always remember that afflictions and and those things come by the providence of God. Okay? They're for God's glory and they're for our good, even though we cannot see it in the midst of the storm. We can't see the good that's being done for us in the midst of the storm or the trial or the persecution. But we are to bear patiently under those sufferings. I know a young man who, after the Lord saved him, he would have dinner with his mom and dad and they had a boarder that stayed with them. And he professed to be a Christian. And his dad... And the border would just persecute him for his faith every time they got together for dinner. It was an opportunity for the dad to tear him apart for what he believed and to tear the, uh, the, and the border would jump in and do the same thing. But the mom was sitting there and the young man didn't say anything, just bore it. And that was a witness to his, to his mom. See, you never know. You never know. But it strengthened his faith. Strengthened his faith. And it was hard, though. I imagine, could you imagine what it would be like to have your own dad come at you like that and and a stranger? It would be hard. So with that in mind, let us look to verses 7 to 11. And what's the one thing we can learn from an illustration like that? Well, the thing we can learn is to keep our eyes upon Christ, right? to keep our eyes upon Christ and him alone, no matter what happens. Whether we're being persecuted for our faith, whether we're suffering affliction health-wise or anything, keep our eyes upon Christ. Just keep looking to him. He's the only sure thing. And I'll, I'll guarantee you that when the affliction is done or the suffering is done, it'll be for your good and for God's glory. I've experienced that. It is. It is. So let's look at verses 7 
2.11. Scripture says, Be patient, therefore, that's long-suffering in the Greek, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. So, be patient, therefore, is, is a result of they're being persecuted in verses 1 to 6. And then now the, the believers are supposed to be patient. Patient under that suffering. Under the coming of the Lord. So again, he focuses their mind right away on that which is important, on Christ. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be also patient. See, now remember that the book of James is told us in the first chapter to, to count it all joy when you suffer diverse temptations, which is actually trials in the Greek. So we see a theme here, don't we? And we know patience, patience which is long-suffering in the Greek, well, long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. So he works that in us through trials and tribulations, beloved. He strengthens us, strengthens our faith, too. So be also patient. Establish your heart. So set your heart, set your heart firmly for Christ. Just set your heart firmly. Firmly. Just, for, just look, at, look to him. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It's closer today than it was yesterday. That's all we know, right? Let's not get into speculation. And these, these got people out there looking at things going on in the world. No, today we're even closer to the coming of the Lord. And I'm, gonna, I'm still looking for his coming. Now, whether it's in my lifetime or not, I'm still going to look. <laughs> I'm still going to wait. <laughs> but we're closer today than we were yesterday to his coming. Oh, my, it's wonderful. Grudge not, here's our text, verses 9 to 11. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience which is, again, long-suffering. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So again, James is writing to those who have been mistreated and defrauded by those spoken of in verses 1 to 6, who are persecuting the brethren even more furiously by the fact that they've... the persecution seems to fall on deaf ears. The believers aren't reacting to it. See, this is the difference with, with us in the spirit and us in the flesh. How do we know when we're in the spirit and the flesh? Well, here's a good one, here's a good one for us to examine our hearts with. How do we react when persecution comes our way? Do we get our cackles up? I'm going to give it right back to them. Or do we just receive it? Look to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. One thing I've noticed too, a lot of times when people are persecuting us for our faith, when we say what we believe to people, they're reacting, they're reacting, beloved, to, to that which is against their flesh. Like when you talk about election, God choosing people, right away their flesh goes, no, that's not fair. Right? But... We know as believers we don't want fair, right? So at that time, just give them a scripture and let them chew on it. Right? Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4. There's a beautiful verse in, in Thessalonians 2 you can give them in the first chapter about God's election. 
So just give them, I've learned this. Trust me, I've learned this because I've reacted the one way and just got into bitter arguments and fights with people and it doesn't do nothing. It doesn't do it. It just makes bad feelings. So I just give them scripture now. And I just let it sit there. But I always answer them back with scripture because I don't want to answer them back with, with something from me because it's not going to go nowhere. Right? But if you give them a scripture to ponder and think about, chances are they're going to go home and think about that. And they may even go home and look it up, which is even more of a blessing, right? <laughs> so, so we're just a patiently... Think of the prophets. They, just, they prophesied the Messiah, and they suffered persecution, didn't they? But they just kept prophesying about the Messiah, didn't they? Right? That's, that's how we are to be. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. You have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So James, again, is writing to those who have been abused verbally and persecuted for what they believe, probably taken advantage of for what they believe. And the tormentors are even more angry because they weren't resisted. So James, what does James do then? He sets before them the hope of our Lord's coming. He sets that right before him. Notice that. Twice he mentions about the Lord coming back. He doesn't say, go and get them and give it to them both barrels. Does he? No. He just says, the Lord's coming back. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He's coming back. He's coming back. My. And pray for them. Pray that the Holy Spirit would save them. Pray that they'd be regenerated. Pray that they'd be granted faith to believe. And always keep praying until they don't breathe anymore because there's always hope until they breathe their last breath. Always hope. We don't know who God's people are. We don't know who the sheep of God are. So just keep praying for them. So James sets on their mind the Lord our righteousness, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to give them comfort through the situation that they're going through. They're being afflicted. They're being, they're being persecuted for their faith. They're being afflicted by various things that are going on in their lives. And the, we can even look, sister, we were talking about the times we're in now. We're going through something that we've never experienced before. Is now, people in 1918 and 1917, when the Spanish flu was going through, they experienced that. We, we are now experiencing something globally, and we're, hopefully we're coming out of it. But we're experiencing something globally that, that generations never experienced. And there's various things going on, and we are alarmed at some things, but we know the Lord's in control, don't we? We just got to keep looking to him. Got to just keep looking to the king. And patiently wait. And so here's James, patiently waiting, or setting before them the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that comforts our hearts, doesn't it? Because I'll tell you what, when I think about the Lord coming back and wrapping it all up, I sure get excited. <laughs> Takes my mind off the things of the world real fast. Just when I think about going home to be with the Lord. Charlie was mentioning, Brother Charlie was mentioning this morning, just the joy of, of being in heaven. And it won't be long. It won't be. Our life is like a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. It, it, it won't be long. We'll be in the presence of the Lord, beloved. My, to never suffer anymore. 
And look at verse 8. It says here, Be ye patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So again, James exhorts the believer to be patient, which is long-suffering in the Greek. And, and this flies in the face of our flesh, doesn't it? It totally flies in the face of our flesh. We can see some of the brethren going, oh, man, because we, we'd say the same thing, right? Oh, man, that's tough. It's the opposite of what our flesh desires. But this ties into what James has been teaching. Look at James chapter 3. Turn there, if you would, quick, just to James chapter 3. He's been teaching patience through suffering, long-suffering through suffering. And one thing he did in chapter 3, and again, this is all by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he, he wrote about us bridling on our tongue, right? And how no man or woman can, can bridle the tongue. It's the hardest thing to do. We all just say amen to that, right? Every one of us. Oh, my. Look at what it says in G James chapter 3. Look at verses 5 to 8. So, again, again, this, this all ties into the teaching that James has been... He's been building upon that the whole time, right, for us. Look at verses three to, or verses 5 to 8 in James chapter 3. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a, a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members. That it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. But the tongue can no man tame. Look at that. There's only one who tamed his tongue. And he is a perfect man. The king of kings and the lord of lords. The God man. <laughs> he is the only one. Every son and daughter of Adam, we got trouble with our tongue, don't we? Oh my, we do. Oh my. You ever said something and wish, oh, I wish I had not said that. <laughs> How many times? We'd be millionaires if somebody gave us a nickel for every time we said that. Right? Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. See, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So with the tongue, man can bless God, and with the tongue, man can curse God. My, oh, my. Isn't it amazing when God takes a cursing tongue and turns it into a tongue that praises? That's a miracle of grace, beloved. That's a miracle of grace. So our natural reaction is to strike out. So let's look at verse 9 then with that in our mind. We see that we're being exhorted to be long-suffering, again, which is fruit of the Holy Spirit of God. And we see some examples being brought forth before us of how we are to react when we're persecuted and suffering. Look at verse 9. Grudge not one against another. Brother, unless you be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. The word grudge here means to sigh, to groan, to murmur. Have you ever sighed in heaviness? Either when someone's saying something to you and it's just like, oh my, right? Yeah, or, or you're being persecuted or suffering an affliction and you're like, oh my. Lord, just make it stop, right? You ever, you ever experienced that? I have. It's just, right? And then to groan, to murmur. Well, we're all guilty of murmuring, aren't we? <laughs> oh my. So we're not to complain we see here against one another on account of another's riches or gifts or prosperity, whether it be a temporal gift or a spiritual gift. We're not to be, we're not to be jealous of one another. We're not to be envious of one another. We saw that earlier in this epistle. 
And you know, a man can receive nothing. A man or a woman can receive nothing except what comes from the Lord. Right? So that's the great equalizer, right? So we're not to envy one another or secret, secretly complain about one another or condemn one another. Let us always be aware that the judge of all things hears everything. He hears it all. Every single word we say, even the intents of our heart. Listen to this in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. That's what we look at, the outward appearance. But the Lord, and that's Jehovah in the text, looketh on the heart. He sees the heart. We see the outward appearance. You ever had people in your life who, who professed to be Christians and then they just walked away? See, we look on the outward appearance, don't we? But God looks on the heart, doesn't he? He looks on the heart. My. And listen to this. I, I pulled this out of the Greek. I have a Greek literal Bible, which I love to look at when, when, with the studies of the New Testament epistles. Listen to what it says here in James 5, 9 in the Greek literal Literal Bible. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing before the doors. So we're not to groan against each other. And this is what this is an exhortation for us to bridle our tongue, right? To bridle our tongue. So we're not to be groan or be begrudging during suffering and afflictions, because that's the opposite of patience, right? See, but that's something we can't do on our own, right? How do we know that? Well, because patience is long-suffering in the Greek, and long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. So don't be too hard on yourself. The Lord's working out. He's conforming us to the image of Christ, beloved. Isn't that amazing? As we go through these things, he's making us more long-suffering. We don't see it, do we? We look at ourselves and go, I'm not very long-suffering. <laughs> But I'm telling you, he's working in us. Because that's what the scripture declares. Oh, and we're not to set ourselves up as a judge of anyone. Because when we look at our own state, we won't be judging anyone. Right? Even after the Lord saved us. Oh, wretched man that I am, Brother Paul wrote. <laughs> and every one of us can say that, right? Oh, my. But we look to the judge of all the earth. We look to the righteous one. And he's standing at the door. Again, he sees everything. And nothing gets by him. Nothing. So the consequence of such an attitude, though, of grumbling against one another, and again, he's writing to the church, so he's writing to believers, grumbling against each other. Right? The consequence is condemnation. Now, we know that for the believer, there's no condemnation. Like eternal condemnation. We know there's no... So what does this condemnation refer to? Well... Take it back to the lesson about the tongue. We were instructed in the proper and improper use of the tongue in chapter 3. To grieve or groan or begrudge our persecutors reveals self-righteousness. See, the mirror comes right back on us. It reveals self-righteousness. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit... I'm putting this together and I'm just... I got my head on the table. My goodness. But it, it reveals self-righteousness. And, self, and, and again, when somebody persecutes us, what's the first thing? Self-defense, right? Boom! 
right? What did Adam and Eve say? Adam said, it's the woman you gave me. And Eve said, it's the snake. (laughs) Right? That's us naturally, right? That's us. That's who we are. And that, that, that's our self-righteousness, beloved. But, you know, the Lord's working that in us. He's, he's, he's taking that away from us, isn't he? Slowly, and he's working in us long-suffering and patience. Praise be to God, it's not a work that we can do. Because we'd mess up. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be in trouble. I'll be honest with you. No, it's a work of the Spirit. See, religion says you've got to get more like this. You gotta, well, these trials and situations, they're, they're working in us. The Holy Spirit is, again, making us stones made ready for glory. My. Job said this, if I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. That's what Job said. If I try to justify myself, my own mouth's going to condemn me. If I say I'm perfect, it shall prove me perverse. And the term there, judge at the door, refers to the coming of Christ and it relates back to the fact that we should act in a manner as Christian men and women were looking for the return of Christ. We're waiting for the return of Christ. He's coming back. We know that. We don't know the hour of the day. Don't even speculate. No, don't even bother speculating. Don't listen to people out there speculating. Don't. Just don't, it'll, it'll get you all tied up in knots. Don't even listen to those folks say, well, this and that's happening, this and that's happening. My king is on the throne. Now, be aware of circumstances that are happening, of course. Right? Circumstances that affect our lives. I'm not saying put our head in the sand like an ostrich. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying... You know, I can go on YouTube and look up these prophecy guys and there's a thousand and one little videos on there that are just absolutely nothing. (laughs) They're garbage. And all they do is stir people up. That's all they do. My, oh my, it's horrible. Don't just stay away from that stuff. It's, it's, the Lord's coming. That's good enough for us, right? He's coming. Next, James will give us an illustration. Again, remember, this is all by, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Here, give us an illustration of, of long-suffering, under-suffering, and affliction by pointing us to the prophets of the Old Testament. Look what he says here in verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Well, James here tells us to look upon the prophets. They suffered, didn't they? They suffered for proclaiming the word of the Lord. They did. But they enjoyed God's favor, didn't they? Under affliction. Under persecution. They suffered much. They were ridiculed, mocked, hated of men, even put to death. All for proclaiming the truth about man's natural state and proclaiming that salvation is of the Lord. And for that, they they suffered. They also proclaimed the truth about the coming Messiah. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's who they proclaimed. They proclaimed him. Because we know that because the Lord said the law and the prophets testify of him. My. And their afflictions, the prophets' afflictions and trials were great. Yet they were very patient through them all. Long-suffering. But they were just like us. Don't, don't look at these men as superheroes. 
they're men of, of like passions like we are. Elijah, I'm the only one left. No, you're not Elijah. No, I got 5,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Right? But that, wasn't that our only reaction? Wouldn't that be our reaction too? I'm not making fun of Elijah because it'd be, it'd be our reaction too. Totally would be. See, God, God has things going on we don't even know about. And that's what he was informing Elijah there. I'm in control. 5,000 men are with you who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Could you imagine how that would encourage him? Oh, he'd be, he'd be greatly uplifted, wouldn't he? My. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. We're looking at the Hall of Faith here quickly. And it speaks about the prophets and what they went through a little bit. What they went through. Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith. It says in verses 32 to 40. And what shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and other prophets. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. There we are, eh? waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the enemies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. So their hope was in Christ. Right? And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scorching, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were cut in half, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. The world wasn't worthy of them. <laughs> they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. My, oh, my. Look at those things, those, those prophets suffered. So James is pointing us to them. You know the world's not worthy of God's people? Old and New Testament. You ever think of that? The world's not worthy of God's people. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. So our lives are indiscriminately subject to troubles and adversities, right? They come our way. Every believer. Every believer has them. Troubles and adversities. And our text, which James here brings forth, will help when times of misery and affliction come our way. Because they will. They will. To look to the prophets. Look, look at what they endured. What was their end? They're in glory. What will be our end as believers? We'll be in glory. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, so James is bringing them, them forth. Remember this, too. Remember, we see nothing of the sun above in a cloudy sky. So when it's a cloudy day, we don't see the sun, do we? But it's still there, isn't it? It's still shining. It's just obscured by the clouds. But it's still shining, beloved. 
Well, during our times of trials and sufferings, and sometimes when we feel, Lord, you're so far away from me, he's not. He's still there. The sun is S-U-N, or S-O-N is still shining. He's right there. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's right there. He may be obscured by, by the clouds of what we're going through and the trials and afflictions, but beloved, he's right by your side. He's right by your side. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's just obscured by the affliction or suffering that we're enduring. So James lays before us the suffering of the prophets. Those, and remember, they were kept by the power of God. They didn't keep themselves. They were kept by the power of God, just like we are. We're kept by the power of God. And they endured long suffering and afflictions just as we do. And they endured those by the grace and the mercy of God. He took care of them, just like he takes care of his people all the time. Remember, he was a, he was a, a cloud and, and, and a, a pillar of fire. He never left the Israelites. That's a picture of how he'll never leave his church. Never. Never, ever, ever. Oh, it's, it's so comforting. And where are the prophets now? Well, they're with the Lord, aren't they? <laughs> they're with the Lord. They're rejoicing in his presence right now. Their suffering was for a while, but now joy and no more suffering. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And they will spend eternity with our great God. All for his glory. Now I'll take a look at verse 10. Take my brethren again, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. They were sent by God to proclaim the Messiah. To proclaim the coming of the Lord. And he is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate in the flesh. And because of that, they suffered afflictions. They suffered in trials and afflictions. Now let's read verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So we look back at the Old Testament saints. We look back at the prophets and we see their courage, don't we? We see their faith. We see their long-suffering, and we count them blessed because now they're with the Lord. They're not suffering anymore. They're not being afflicted anymore. They're blessed in Christ, and they will be eternally blessed in Christ because they're in the presence of the Lord where they'll be, they'll be there forever now. And so when our lives end, we won't have any more affliction. We won't have any more suffering. Right? We'll be in the presence of the Lord forever. And they felt honored to be counted worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. And now they're glorified with him. Now this verse in verse 11, notice where it says endure there. I want to read again the Greek literal Bible for us. Look, listen to this. This is amazing. Behold, we count blessed those having preserved preserved well then i looked up i looked up endure in the greek and it means preserved 
Now that changes the whole thought of it, right? Because endure is more, we think, well, that's something we have to do. You see how men can take scriptures? I've seen guys take scriptures like that, like the endurer, and say, well, if you don't endure to the end, then you're, you're cast away. And they use it as works-based. But this says we're preserved. The Greek word actually means preserved. That's not something we do, is it? Oh, my. So I'm going to read it, the whole thing. Behold, we count blessed those having preserved. You have heard of the perseverance of Job, and you have seen the outcome from the Lord, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Oh, my. Who preserved the saints of old? They didn't preserve themselves. Who preserved them? Who preserves the saints today? Who preserves us? Who will preserve the saints in the future that come after us if the Lord tarries and is coming? Who will preserve them? The Lord Almighty. God Almighty, beloved. He's the only one who keeps us in the way. He's the only one who keeps us in the way. So marvel at this fact that God preserves his people to the end. Now we can, we can suffer doubt. We can lose our insurance. It doesn't change the fact of what's being stated here. Behold, we count blessed those having preserved. Preserved by God, beloved. And Peter writes that we're kept by the power of God. So that all ties in, doesn't it? See, it's not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He saved us. So think of this, too. Marvel at the, the fact that it's God who preserves us the end. It's God who calls us home to glory. It's all by his mighty power. And all we can say is praise his mighty name, right? That's what we say. And notice here, too, also how the Holy Spirit of God has James bring forth the suffering of Job. Because remember, he's the true author. So he's having, he's having James bring forth the suffering of Job. Well, we know Job suffered a lot. Out of all the Bible characters other than Christ, right, he suffered tremendously. And so the Holy Spirit brings forth here the suffering of Job. Think of this. He was assaulted by Satan. He had these so-called comforters, which were miserable comforters. These so-called friends that tried to supposedly help him, but all they did was add to his sufferings. That's all they did. They were miserable comforters. They weren't friends at all. My, you ever had a friend like that? Yeah, boy, oh boy. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So they bought about more suffering for Job. They added to his sufferings, they, and they slandered God. But he endured it, didn't he? He endured it. He suffered. In body and in mind, I think at, at the loss of his health. He lost his health. He lost his family. His wife told him to curse God and die. My, oh my. After all the blessings that they had received in their lives, not just, not just what he had gained, um, because it doesn't, again, rich or poor, we're rich in Christ, aren't we? But he, he was definitely blessed with, with wealth and with, with uh, lots of cattle. They were all gone just like that. 
And he said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, my gosh. My, that's what, only a man filled with the Holy Spirit can say that. I'll tell you what. Oh, my. And in the end, in the end, he was blessed even more. My, oh, my. So let us think upon this fact that the theme of this book is joy during sufferings and trials. May God give us grace, each of us grace, to endure the trials in our lives and to endure the sufferings in our lives. May he, may he give us that because we don't have it naturally. May he give it to us in our time of need.